The Holy Gospel is taken from the first chapter of Luke. And Mary said, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their throne and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her cousin Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Last week, Pastor, ja <clears throat> excuse me, Pastor James introduced our core value sermon series with the core value of worship. That's the most important activity that we do each week. In fact, worship is not simply a once-a-week activity. I want to suggest today that worship is a way of life for followers of Jesus, a way of life. As Pastor James reminded us, each week through the liturgy, the work of the people, whether it's shaped by traditional or contemporary elements, we enter into God's story, God's story of faithful, eternal love for humanity and creation that's revealed in Jesus. The motion, the flow of worship sweeps us up into God's story. Think about it. We gathered in from the world today after a week of life that sometimes bruises us, bangs us up. We need inspiration. We need healing. We need compassion. We need the fellowship here. We began with acknowledging our need for what God in Christ alone can provide, forgiveness of sins and a fresh start as we confessed our sins and heard the forgiveness of God announced. We hear aspects of God's story as inspiration and instruction through the, the hymns, the anthems, the scripture, and God willing, the sermon. <laughs> the sacrament of Holy Communion joins us to Christ and unites us with all believers around the world of every time and place as Christ comes to us in the bread and wine, giving us saving grace and strengthening us in our faith. And then worship concludes with the dismissal, something like, go in peace, serve the Lord. And we respond with, thanks be to God. That dismissal extends our worship from this place out into our daily lives, our mission fields. Worship 
flows into and continues daily as we bring our lives of faith to fruition, live them out. And the core value of mercy and justice is one of those aspects of worship in life. Our participation in God's story of grace and forgiveness is extended far beyond Sunday mornings as we love, serve, and care for our neighbors. I wanted to read for you the explanatory note from the website about the core value of mercy and justice. It reads, We seek to imitate the life of Jesus, who cared for the poor and marginalized with a love deeper than we can comprehend. His mercy extended to all, and so does ours. His justice reached beyond fairness by helping to restore relationships, and so must ours. For at least the benefit of the sermon this morning, I think it's helpful to have a common understanding of mercy and justice. So mercy, initially we might think of mercy as receiving what we don't deserve, receiving forgiveness rather than punishment, for instance. But I want to lift up and focus on mercy is also care, response, assistance, compassion extended in an immediate present situation. Think of it as first aid or first responders showing up. Doesn't matter what's happened, we're just here to help. And then justice. We often think about justice in the judicial system, receiving what one deserves, suffering the consequences for an action or punishment in that legal system that tries to balance the scales of lady justice again. But justice, as I want us to understand it today, is to work to bring a system that's out of balance into balance or seek to level the playing field so that the system, so that life is equitable for all of God's people. So acts of mercy seek to balance the scales to help out immediately in a situation. And acts of justice look at the bigger picture, trying to balance the scale across a system or a structure so for enduring change. We are called to do both. We're called to do both. For instance, mercy is feeding the hungry. Justice might be actively working to change structures that have created a system or whatever that keeps people in that situation of hunger. So I want to ask you to think in your mind, when was the first time that you might have connected mercy and justice, serving others as, a lot, as part of life as a disciple of Jesus? When was the first time you can think of that you connected mercy and justice to following Jesus? For me, I come around to a rainy Sunday morning in fifth grade Sunday school class, and the teacher loaded the the four or five of us, into her small, sporty Plymouth Barracuda, two doors, five of us plus the teacher before all the seatbelt laws were around. And she drove us into a neighborhood that I hadn't been in before in, in my small town. The streets were not paved. The houses were in various stages of disrepair, most needing paint or 
roof repairs. The, the yards were relatively unkept. And then we get, drove back to class, the room, and we talked about the disparity we had seen. Di very different from the neighborhoods we lived in, mostly middle class with brick houses and fairly nicely kept lawns. And we talked about the call of Jesus to care for the needs of our neighbor. And that morning uh, influenced and continues to influence and shape my faith and ministry. This morning I want to lift up several places that I see Scripture and our theological writings supporting our intentional commitment to mercy and justice where that's grounded. In baptism... It begins there. At baptism and again at confirmation and again at affirmation of baptism when we join this congregation, we make several commitments of faith in our life. The last three are this, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the world. And we reply, yes, with the help of God. Because we can't do those things without God's help. Our commitment, our call to mercy and justice begins in the waters of baptism as we become a part of God's people. It's renewed later in life. Hands are laid on at baptism. At baptism, our foreheads were anointed with the cross and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we pray of the Holy Spirit, because this daunting commitment and the others we make are indeed impossible without God. We see roots of mercy and justice in our Lutheran teachings. One example, last Wednesday night in Making Sense of Martin Luther, we talked about justification by grace through faith, how God comes to us in and through the work of Jesus, restoring us to a right just, fair relationship with God, even though we don't need it. God forgives our sins freely, completely, and solely because God loves us unconditionally. So we are freed from the penalty and the guilt of sin weighing us down physically, mentally, emotionally. We are freed for taking that energy, that space in our lives and hearts to follow Jesus, to love our neighbor. We've experienced God's mercy in being made right with God. The saving work of Jesus has balanced the scales of justice for us, giving us new opportunity in that relationship in our lives with God and with people. As throughout Scripture, God acts first and we respond. All our good deeds, all our works, all our ministry relating to living out that great commandment of loving God and loving our neighbor grow out of our thankfulness for God's forgiveness and grace. It's our response. We don't do good works to earn God's favor, but as a thank you to God. I departed from the lectionary and picked these two uh, scriptures for today, even though there's threads of mercy and justice throughout Scripture. But I thought these helped make it clear. In the, second, in the first reading from Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul writes, 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are what He has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. So there it is again. The reason we can and must work for mercy and justice, for the well-being of our neighbor, for the healing of the world. We're freed from guilt, burden of sin as a gift in order that we can focus all that energy on our life of faith, doing those good works, loving God, loving our neighbor. And God reveals God's heart of love that compels God to act with mercy and justice for all humans in taking on flesh and coming to us in Jesus. That's the ultimate role model for our call to live lives guided by mercy and justice. God comes to us and we go out to others in the name of Jesus who loves them. We're sent out to love and care for our neighbors and for creation as well, to strive for mercy and justice for the well-being of others to get out of us being the center of everything and focused on others. And then Mary's Magnificat. We usually hear it sung beautifully during Advent. How God became human and the effect that she sees it's already happening for us in our imperfect human-created order. Mary says a few words. God's mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He's shown strength in His arm. He scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from the thrones, lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He's helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy according to the promise He made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. The study notes in the Lutheran Study Bible uh, summarized the mercy and justice here much more succinctly than I could have. It noted that God acts toward creation with forgiveness, tenderness, and mercy. The Lord acts to bring about justice either by protecting the weak or by punishing the abusive, rebalancing the scale. And then Mary's song expresses the hope that God will act in both mercy and justice throughout all of time. Mary sees God's acts for mercy and justice already at work and beginning in choosing her, a poor, unmarried teenage girl from a tiny, insignificant village to bear God's son. Mercy is God's character, as Mary rightly notes. In Psalm 145, the psalmist said, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Mercy is God's nature. Perhaps one of our most significant commitments at St. John's to justice is our communal commitment adopted a few years ago to combat racism. In our vision for racial healing... At least three of the six commitments seem to me clearly focused on justice, on balancing an unjust system. And from the website, the vision for racial healing, those three commitments are 
promote racial, promote equality among all people, oppose racism in all its forms, and address and dismantle systemic racism. You can read the entire vision there on the website. You can grow your understanding of this vision with conversations that matter and learning opportunities offered in discipleship classes that are being planned. But there are many more ministries of mercy and justice that that your involvement, hands-on, and your generous support makes happen through St. John's. We teach it from the get-go to our children and youth. This morning, the children collected the buck a meal offering to support the need to act for mercy for our hungry in the neighborhood. We organize hands and feet camp where our children have three different service opportunities to learn how to serve and about those needs. Not only do youth frequently have local service projects, but they also engage in a mission trip where they go to another locale, experience a different setting, see the needs and respond and learn, putting their faith into action. It's part of us nurturing faithful disciples. There are lots of other local examples of our ministry for mercy and justice. We act in mercy when we feed and house those impacted by poverty. We work for justice as we seek building houses, stable homes, give children a place to come home to, and family stability and self-esteem. We support education because we know that education has the greatest possibility of changing somebody's future. Mercy, we support dental and medical care for those unable to afford it. Justice is advocating that all can have that care. We do it globally. We heard a couple of weeks ago from Hannah about how we work in partnership there in Guatemala. We also do it in the Panaru community in South Sudan to feed and help with immediate basic needs of children and families and provide schools. But we also support their education, again, to change their lives. We do it through the ELCA with the World Hunger Appeal that responds to immediate disasters, provides feeding programs domestically and internationally. But it also works for justice and advocacy with governments and leaders to improve systems, infrastructure, schools, overseas even helping to repatriate refugees safely in their home countries. So much is interwoven in our lives of discipleship. Our annual ministry budget and ministry teams are organized and structured to actively live out this core value of mercy and justice in our community, across our nation, indeed around the globe. Your faithful, generous giving and your personal involvement in these numerous ministries not only gives life to the core value of mercy and justice, but more importantly, you give hope to those whose lives we touch as worship continues beyond these walls as a daily way of life. Thank you for your faithful ministry. Amen.